Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Taking the Fields, a 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, John Fields, and joining me today, as always, is Matthew Bruni. And uh, I'll be honest, man, I think we're just going to cut right to the chase, no pleasantries this time, and just talk about whatever the hell it was that we just watched with the football game earlier today as North Texas lost to Miami, Ohio. Let me see what the final score was. I don't even remember. Man, you, you, you don't even know what the score was at this point. 20, just... 27 to 14. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it didn't. It felt like. Like, I don't even, it didn't even feel that close to be honest with you, but I'll just go ahead and ask you what, what what were your thoughts on the game, man? No pleasantries from John Fields two days before (laughs) Christmas, man. I am just appalled, disgusted. (laughs) I wish y'all could see John's face during like this whole intro. He was just so just ready to get this over with at this point. (laughs) Um, all right. Overall thoughts, overall thoughts. Um, so I drove back from Baton Rouge to the San Antonio today, about seven and a half hours. And I think I enjoyed the drive home more than I enjoyed watching that game for three hours. Oh man. That, 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 how about that one? That was, that was pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it was a uh, pretty painful watch. It was, I mean, my, I have a couple of like key takeaways that I mean, we'll go over, but just the the inability to throw the ball finally caught up with this team um and it's what we kind of i'll speak for myself what i had kind of been waiting for after that five game winning streak where they didn't really have to throw the ball you know they were just able to run it down everyone's throat and get stops so um they were forced to throw the ball and they couldn't and you lose the game in a pretty disappointing fashion and again as we all know dropping set the trail to 0 and 5 in bowl games and with four of those being by double digit losses and Miami, Ohio could have scored with a minute and a half left in the game, but they took knees at the 10 at North Texas 10 yard line. And that felt um, very nice of them because if I'm in Miami, Ohio and I'm in Texas and, you know, maybe steal some recruits or something, I'm going and scoring and I'm beating them by 20. So uh, just a, Really disappointing game. I have some overarching takes and stuff, but at the moment, let's just talk about the game and the nitty gritty of it and get that over with. No, I agree, man. And, uh, you know, to stay in the Christmas spirit, I think Miami, Ohio was in the Christmas spirit on that last drive, man. They they were in a very, uh, you know, give North Texas the gift of not getting embarrassed too badly, you know, 30 minutes down the road from campus. But I agree with you. I think in general, this team just out physical North Texas period in the trenches and everywhere else, because I mean, 89 rushing yards, that's the lowest they've had all season, like ever that they hadn't gone below hundred rushing yards all year. It was the fewest since they lost 40 to six to UAB. And I think they had, let's see here. Uh, they had 121 rushing yards in that game and they couldn't even get to that total against Miami, Ohio. Ended up, I mean, just throwing the ball too much with Austin Ani, and we saw what we've seen all year, which was that he just couldn't really be trusted to come through with enough plays. Like, you couldn't – there was a reason this team shifted to a run-first approach, you know, later in the season, and they had to because, as we saw today, Austin Ani can't consistently make those throws to win you football games. And we've known that. That's yeah. the thing. We've known that for uh, at least this year. Last year we had – last year we had – an idea that that was the case, you know, but we were like, all right, he's better than Jason Bean in this system, which I obviously still believe. Um, But as just a pure passer, 
he threw for he completed 57% of his passes last year, and that's awful. He ends the year this year probably closer to 50% than 51%. Like we're talking about a quarterback com- that completes 50% of his passes, John. Like, I don't yeah. think that people understand how bad that is. Like, I don't have the national numbers in front of me, but I've I'm hard pressed to think of a quarterback in the country that completes 50% of his passes that kept his job all year. I mean, obviously, once he got the job pretty comfortably. And I think that speaks to the quarterback room that we've talked about in this podcast before during the losing streak. Like, we could very easily just play the the podcast that we did after the loss to Liberty and just put it here <laughs> for a lot of this podcast because I think we yeah. would be repeating ourselves a lot of time because the this is the team that lost six straight games. This is not the team that won five straight games. And I tried after the last two games – UT, uh, FIU, UAB, uh, and UTSA, especially UTSA, we came on here, we gave them their flowers, we gave them the respect they deserve to because get into a bowl game. And I don't want to d- diminish that winning five straight games, get into a bowl game this year after starting one and, one and six. It's only the third time in, in FBS history that's happened where a team started one and six and made a bowl game or won six games rather. So I don't want to diminish that. But as we know, and as North Texas fans know, this is a separate animal. Bowl games are different, and at a certain point, you have to win your bowl game. And Austin Ani kind of highlights what this team can't be, in a sense. Like, he can run the ball occasionally. He can do some things, some nice things. But at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, he's not good enough to get it done. And, um, yeah, that's just Austin. I, I, don't, I, th- I think the offensive line didn't play well either. I, yeah. I thought they got pushed around. I thought the receivers struggled as well to get separation. I mean, I do want to give some credit to Rod Burns. because I thought he, he was fine. He had some explosives. Uh, Damon Ward had that stretch where he caught everything. So cool. Good for them. But uh, Jake Roberts also had a pretty nice catch that I thought was going to be an overthrow. Brought that down for 30 <laughs> yards. Um, but yeah, other than that, it was just like, it's just not good enough. So, yeah. No, and that was that's literally what I wrote at the top of my notebook was those three words, not good enough. Because at the end of the day, you talked about it. They're 0-5 in bowl games under Latrell. Program history now, UNT is 3-10 and overall in bowl games. Like, it, it's not something that North Texas does a whole lot in terms of winning bowl games. But at some point, I mean, Latrell's made it to the most of any coach North Texas has ever had. Like, no coach has ever made it to five bowl games at North Texas. And I mean, granted, some of them have been, you know, kind of shaky getting in with a five win team or a four win team during the pandemic. But like still, he's had five cracks at this and hasn't been able to win one. And I don't at some point, I you know, you can make all the excuses you want, but it's just not good enough. And I wanted to get into what you were talking about with Ani and just sort of. Miami exposing him for what he was and his weaknesses, because I think generally that was the theme of this game overall is Miami came out with a great game plan and just exposed the weak points that North Texas had. DeAndre Torrey doesn't play in this game, but North Texas still has capable running backs, but they weren't able to do anything because that Miami Ohio front came in and just pushed around the offensive line, bullied them and did what they want to some wanted to some extent. Um, and then on the defensive side, no Mikhail Sanders in this one, which I thought was a pretty big deal as well, because then you have sort of Sean Thomas Faulkner as your quote unquote better safety. And he gets burnt several times early in the game, a couple of costly penalties. And it's like, 
Miami, Ohio knew coming into this game who they needed to attack, and they just went after them time after time after time. They attacked Faulkner, had a drive where they attacked Gaddy a few times and ended up beating him for a touchdown pass. Like, they knew the guys on this defense that they could go after, and they just did it, you know, to a T. They executed exactly how they needed to. Yeah. No, it felt like they outcoached them. It, it yeah. did. It felt like they they out game planned them and they knew what they needed to do. Um, I want to I want to touch on your points on the defense in a second. Um, uh, but offensively, going into the game, you mentioned DeAndre Toy being out, and I could kind of feel North Texas fans making that a big deal. And mm. again, DeAndre Toy I, I, is a very good player, good back. We've talked about on this podcast. I don't think he's been 100 percent the entire year after he got no. that injury early. Um, and that's why we've seen Ragsdale. That's why we've seen a lot of Johnson and a day, a day a Johnson when he was healthy, obviously. But um, you had all three of them. And the entire year, all I heard was, wow, this running back group is so great. This is amazing. They have like four guys in here that could start and one of them's a walk on. All right. It doesn't matter then that DeAndre Toy was out. And I really don't yeah. think it would have mattered if DeAndre Toy played. I don't think it changes anything in the red zone. I think, don't think it changes anything in the, um, the effectiveness of their run game because the offensive line didn't get a push because the pass game didn't get going. And Miami, Ohio, again, going back to our point, was ready to stop the run 100%. Yeah. And this is a team going into the season or going into this bowl game that had not been great at stopping the run. Um, I did a little bit of research on them going into it. The games they lost, they lost to running teams primarily. And yeah, this game, again, it's not their personnel that won the game because they couldn't stop the run all year, but they had two weeks to prep and they figured out how to stop North Texas and they did it. So. No, a hundred percent. I mean, I don't know that there's much to say generally other than that. I mean, it's pretty sad when your punter is basically the MVP of the game because Bernardo Rodriguez had like a 70-yard punt at one point. He had another one that went 60-plus. And, I mean, granted, the wind was kind of blowing crazy in that stadium and stuff. But, yeah, I just thought it was wild that, you know, the punter ends up probably being your most productive player on the day. Yeah. And then you talked about the running backs. How about this? Austin Ani, nine carries for 28 yards, leads the team in rushing yards. Like none of the three running backs had more than 23 yards on the night. So I mean, nobody had more than 3.5 yards to carry. I think that's yeah. just staggering. Um, but let, let's talk about the defense because you, you mentioned it. Um, I, I agree. I think the secondary was completely just just put, thrown to the side, completely just burned. Um, even when they were in position to make plays, you had some um, plays that I just – I, I didn't think I never felt confident with them in the back end. And it's been that way the entire yeah. season, um, whether that is tackling or that's coverage. And um, they're still not a great tackling team, despite what we've given Phil Bennett credit for. I think I saw a stat that pro football focus had them as the 107th ranked tackling team in the country, Man. Uh, which probably is better than it was last year, but it's still not good. No. Um, and so there's, there's just, it's still just too many holes and it's too reliant on basically like three players because that's what this defense is to me. And that's all it has been the entire year is hoping and praying the Murphys and Dion O'Ville hit home and they can stop the run and they can get to the quarterback because their whole game plan of the defense is let's not let the quarterback get the pass off because if he yeah. gets the pass off, it's going to go for a lot of yards. And so, um, Again, to, going back to the credit of, of Miami, Ohio, completely outcoaching them. There were several times where Miami, Ohio, max protect, kept in a running back, kept in a tight end to 
solidify that offensive line and to only have three guys on the route tree and against like five into coverage or six into coverage. And it didn't matter. They were still able to complete passes because they knew if they took the pass rush away of North Texas and North Texas still, still got to them a little bit, obviously like that's yeah, what they they're going to do. Sacks. Yeah, no, no. They had a good game getting to the quarterback, but they know if they don't let the Murphys and Noville and um, all the other guys on the defensive line, if they don't let those, them dictate the game, you're going to have a much better chance of scoring on North Texas. And I thought they settled for two field goals where I thought those were really good drives as well. So we're talking about five possessions where they beat North Texas defense. And that can't happen if you're North Texas, a team that obviously, like we talked about, can't really score the ball. No, a hundred percent. And I mean, I guess I don't even know, dude, because like the secondary has been sort of banged up. There's been guys that haven't been there, but I'm not sure how much that would have changed it. Like obviously Quinn Whitlock's been hurt for the latter part of the year. Upton Stout entered the transfer portal, ends up now he's going to be going to Western Kentucky. Um, obviously, no Mikhail Sanders for this game. Not sure the reason for that. But, like, I mean, you end up starting Keelan Crosby at the other safety spot, which I don't – I mean, he hasn't really played significant time all year. I think he's probably just played special teams for the most part. He hasn't been a player in the defensive backfield. So, I mean, you could almost see it coming before the game to some extent and because this defensive backfield, as we said, it hasn't been good even when they've been at full strength. It hasn't been very good. It's been okay in some of the some of the wins here down the stretch, but you you take one of those guys out of the mix in Mikhail Sanders, who was, you know, probably the best player they've had in the secondary this season, at least in my opinion. And, I mean, you could just see the results there. It just – you knew they weren't going to be able to cover guys and – when they weren't able to get, you know, a ridiculous amount of sacks, like four sacks in a game is typically good enough, but they would have needed so many more than that to make this anything close to more competitive. Yeah. Um, and the crazy thing is the the run game is what ultimately ended North Texas night, right? Like Miami, yeah. Ohio got the ball with what, like seven minutes left at the three after Austin Ani failed to complete that three yard touchdown pass. what did you oh, see on that man. play? What did you, cause I saw the play obviously. Yeah. And I'm just trying to un- decode it in my head. So what did you see? So, well, obviously I'll, I'll try to describe it as best I can. But they, they call the play on, sort of rolling out to his right. Um, and he's got a couple receivers out there. First off, Christian Lee is in the game and he hasn't caught a damn pass all season. He's in at tight end. I think Jake Roberts was hurt at some point late in the game or something like that. So Christian Lee's in who hasn't caught a pass all year. And you have him running a route out there instead of somebody who's actually caught passes this year, which I don't understand to begin with. But that's the guy Ani ends up targeting who's actually sort of open in the end zone. But Ani just nukes it straight into the turf like five feet to his left, man. Like, I understand you want to throw a bullet pass in there and make sure it doesn't get picked off, but what does it really matter? It's fourth down. Like give your guy a chance to catch the ball instead of just nuking it into the turf. Yeah. Nu- nuking it into the turf is a great term because that's exactly <laughs> what it like. It like hit him in the, the leg, like the foot yeah. almost. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what he was, was happening. I was trying to see like, was the angle not there? Like, but, and then I was like, could he have run it? I don't think he could have run it, even though, you know, you could give yourself a chance at least. Um, yeah. so I'm like, that's probably the best option, but just throw the ball. Like what, why did he like, it looked like he spiked it almost. It did. Um, and that's what it was just like, you can't, we can't win games without a quarterback. I mean, especially going against a quarterback that this, that is this good. Brett Gabbert is a good quarterback. Like, yeah, it's hard. You can win games whenever you're playing, 
um, you're playing against Gavin. I would, did, Gavin Harson didn't even play for uh, UTEP. Did he? Did, was he the quarterback for UTEP in that game? I think yeah. he was. I think he did play. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna go with that. Gavin Hardison, um, whoever Rice's quarterback was, Southern Miss. Uh, we know who what their quarterback situation was. I mean, even Frank Harris. You can win games against Frank Harris. Yeah. Uh, when you're playing a decent to good quarterback, um, in Malik Willis, um, Connor ba- or Connor Bazelak, I uh, go down the list of quarterbacks. Like UAB's quarterbacks is fine. SMU again, fine. Even Grant <clears throat> Wells at Marshall was fine. Grant Wells at Marshall. You just can't overcome that big of a quarterback disparity, man. You just it's it's imp- it's hard. It's hard, yeah. especially with all the other holes that this team has. So, um, yeah, that that play just stood out to me. And and the point I was making before I got into that was just in Miami Ohio just running the ball all over them to end the game and just putting it away. So, um, well, I mean, yeah, th- and I I did pull up the stat on that actually. They they did they ran it pretty much every play, uh, except for like one pass uh, on that last drive. They passed on third and four, but they were they had the ball for the last nine minutes and eighteen seconds of the game. Ooh, Jesus. Well, the thing and was drove from the, their their own four all the way to the UNT four before they kneeled it backwards to like the UNT ten. And I don't know if it was on the first set of downs or the second set of downs, but there was a third and what 11, I think it was, where it was a pass play and the quarterback escapes and runs for the first mm. down. And that, I was like, the game's over. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it looks like it was like they have it listed as a third and seven or something like okay. that. And he scrambled for eight yards. But yeah, yeah that, that was the moment where you're like, all right, they got no chance. Yeah, it's done. Um, And the run defense, I don't think was great, but it did hold them to um, this includes sacks. Uh, so make of that what you will, but 244 yards, I'm sorry, 198 yards on 48 carries. So 4.1 yards per, uh, the two, the three main running backs got 6.6 yards, 8.6 yards and 3.3 yards per carry. Um, so just not quite good enough from the defense. Um, as we know, I, I do want to kind of look at this in a bigger picture here. Um, because the Murphy brothers had one of the Murphy brother games. Right. Oh my God. Um, did they they had, oh, they did. Um, they end the game combining for uh 2.5 sacks. Um, Gabriel Murphy ends with eight tackles. Uh, Grace Murphy ends with five tackles. And they are, and I, I said Austin Oni was kind of a microcosm of this team. These two, even more so, I think, are a microcosm of this team, of what this team can be and what this team just is. Right. Yeah. So during the five game win streak, we were like, all right, Murphy's kind of figured it out. They've kind of done it. The penalty stopped. Um, they just played some good football. They didn't try doing anything crazy. They didn't have any rough as many roughing the passers, you know, or just stupid penalties. And uh, what do they go and do? Um, and first of all, Sean Thomas Faulkner set the scene for all of this with that just the ridiculously dumb penalties to start the first quarter. And that's when I knew, all right we might be in for one of those North Texas games where they just just don't show up, where they just look like they're playing like high school football out here that are undisciplined. Um, so he set the stage, and the Murphy brothers just took and ran with it. They were the stars of the show from that point. For Gabriel Murphy to get A, an offsides, and it was Gabriel, right? Number 11. No, so I have the play pulled up. Grayson Murphy was the one that got the offsides, go. and then Gabriel got the unsportsmanlike after the play. Did you see the unsportsmanlike? Uh, I don't think I did actually. Okay, but it looked like he was just mouthing off, and one of the he was like the ref was the closest guy to him. 
So, so here's what I saw. And I, I, you, you're probably right to a degree of the mouthing off. So let's say he was mouthing off just, just to, cause it probably, it's probably true. They were mouthing the entire game. So that's probably true. He's walking by the ref and he literally sticks his elbow out and bumps the ref. <laughs> he bumps the ref and the ref turns and he's like, did you just do that on purpose? Like he didn't say this, you know, I'm just, in yeah. He bumped the ref and the, the ref goes like he gets hit a little bit. And then they come together and the refs talk about it. And he's like, and the ref, I'm sure is just like, yo, number 11 just, just shoved me kind of. And yeah. they throw the flag and I'm and give up 15 yards. And so then, and that was Gabriel Murphy, right? They got the personal foul. Yeah. So Gabriel Murphy gets pulled out and he tries pleading his, pleading his case with Phil Bennett and Seth Luttrell. And they're not having any of it. <laughs> They're not having any of it. They're like, no, no, get like Bennett's done at this point. And yeah. that's all great. That's all great. Latrell and, and Bennett just being pissed off at him. It, it's been like this all season, man. It's been like this all season. So don't try to the tough parent act now because obviously you've let him get away with it in practice. You let him get away with it in games and film sessions. There's been no consequences for his result or his brother's result. Their penalties have continuously killed this team. Even if it hasn't directly resulted in points, it has directly resulted in the mentality of this defense being not where it needs to be at times. And I've given them all the credit in the world. I gave them plenty of credit during the five-game win streak for really getting their head screwed on tight, for coming back, for finally figuring it out and playing the way they need to play. But what they played like today is what is going to lose this team games for years to come. And if Seth Luttrell and Phil Bennett, assuming he's back next year, because I assume him to be, if they cannot figure that out, then I don't see how this defense can take a step forward in any way, shape, or fashion, despite the talent that they clearly have. And despite what I think that Phil Bennett is doing there, and I think Phil Bennett's doing a good job. None of that matters. None of it. Because Sean Thomas Faulkner's over here coming from the Citadel, and he's doing stupid things. So now what's the next dude going to do that comes in here? He's going to do stupid things. The, they've, they've set the table of what you can get away with here. And it's just, it's, it's been, it's done. Like, I, I don't, I have no more, I, I don't care anymore. Like, I don't care about the sacks. I don't. I don't. They're great. They're, they're great players. They might be the two best players on this team. And I've said that before. They might be like Dion Neville's up there too. Yeah, they are game changing players, but that's that's not going to win this team games. That's not going to win them enough games. That's what I'll say. Then so um, you look at UAB. You know, you look at team UTSA. I mean, I just don't see that happening when I watch those games. The amount of penalties and the amount of just dumb plays, dumb mistakes that not just those two make, but the entire defense. But I'm, I highlighted those two because I couldn't believe what I saw when he walked by ref and sh- basically gave him a nudge that, that knocked him back and cost the team 15 yards after his brother just got an offsides penalty. I'm like, what are y'all doing? Like, are y'all trying to win the game or do you care about sending a message? I, I can't, I can't anymore. I, so again, they're great players. I, they're great players. If anybody's questioning that, y'all shouldn't be. They're excellent players. But seeing Phil Bennett and Seth the trail after that being like, no, get over there. Like, no, no, no. I'll get all pissed off. I'm like, guys, it's game 13 of this year. And the thing is, they're doing it last year too. This isn't their first year on the team. Um, yeah. Bennett's obviously his first year. But Latrell, like, we know what these guys are. So I just, that, that irked me. 
beyond belief at this point. And I'm usually not a guy that's like, oh, you know, you got to teach them a lesson. You can't let them do it. You got to. I'm usually I'm usually cool with the players expressing themselves and talking trash or whatever. But it when it hurts your team for an entire season. I don't know what you want to do, I, especially a season this important and a game that's this important. I told my friend before, like when the bowl games came out, I was like, hey, man, North, there might not be a team more focused and more desperate than North Texas coming into this bowl game. And it didn't look like that. No. And this was, I mean, this was the best chance they've had to win a bowl game under Latrell. Like, this is the worst team they've played in any of those games. I know the Army game was only a one-score loss, but this is by far the worst team they've played in any of those games. And they still couldn't get it done because, as you said, shot themselves in the foot, whether it was with penalties, Ani throwing two bad interceptions, or just people not stepping up where they needed to step up. And I think the thing to me, like, at halftime, you know, North Texas was still very much in the game. Like, I think they were down 20 to 14 at halftime. And then you come out of the halftime break, you have three drives in the third quarter that are all three and outs. Miami, Ohio just controls the possession, controls the ball. They got their one touchdown on the opening drive and then just milked clock on several of their other ones. And then the last drive of the game, UNT finally gets a little something going, but then they go turn it over on downs in the red zone on that silly pass we talked about with Austin Oni. So, like, after halftime, UNT only had four drives. I think Miami, Ohio had time of possession, let's see, 38 minutes and 21 seconds compared to 21-39 for UNT. And this is a UNT team that, like, has been – the best part of them has been the run game, you know, limiting possessions, controlling the game that way. And they just got completely manhandled and outphysicaled in this game, and Miami, Ohio did to them what North Texas has tried to do to teams all season. Like, I just don't understand how that can happen. Because at the end of the day, you still have three good running backs and you still have the same offensive line that, you know, did those things against some teams that, you know, some bad teams, but like a UTSA team that we think is at least decent. I mean, I know. And see, now the more that I look back on that game, the more I just see it as sort of a freak, you know, circumstances kind of a game where it's like UNT is coming off a week where they played in the rain against FIU. Then they're playing in the rain again in Denton. UTSA plays in a dome. Like, I don't want to take away from that win too much. UTSA fumbled the ball. It, it feels like, like an outlier. It really yeah. does. No. It, I guess because it, it is an outlier. You know, it is. It is at this point. <laughs> um, I agree with everything you said. Miami, Ohio is the most – it felt like – it felt almost like the bowl committee was like, all right, let's give North Texas an, a not, not a Sun Belt opponent. Let's not yeah. give them Georgia State. Let's not give them, you know, a, a, a solid AA or an AAC team. You know, like Old Dominion guy. Let's not give them that. Let's give them Miami, Ohio. And Miami, Ohio is not a bad team. I want to make that clear. They're not a bad team. They were if they win a couple games late, they might be playing in the they might have been playing in the conference championship game. But there's just there's no there's no sugarcoating. This team is way worse than Utah State, way worse than App State, um, way worse than that Troy team. Um, the, the Army team that year, I believe, in 2017, had some impressive wins on its resume as well. Army usually yeah. does. And it is, um, even though North Texas did beat them once already. So um, it's just, it's such, like I said, I was expecting a desperate team. I was expecting a focused team. I was, they didn't have opt-outs. They didn't have... Again, Torian and um, Mikhail were the only players out, and I, I don't know why that was. I don't know if it was COVID. I don't know if it was injury. I have no idea. Um, 
but you don't have players leaving, opting out, transfer portal. Like there was no talk of even players entering the transfer portal that quickly, like after this, after the UTSA game. And so here we are, I'm like, yo, this team's going to be focused. There's Latrell. This is the, the, the importance of this game for Latrell. I believed, and I still do believe to be massive. Yeah. Because if you win the game, you get monkey off your back. You end the season seven to six, you end the season on the highest note possible after starting one and six, you beat your rival, you beat my, you win a bowl game close to home. You have all the excitement in the world going forward. Just imagine if they win this game and imagine how we're talking about this team moving forward. We're talking about one of the most resilient team. We're probably talking about one of the best coaching jobs Latrell's done uh, (laughs) in his time in North Texas. But instead we have to come on here and say he's 0-5 in bowl games. He's lost four of them by double digits. um, And frankly, all four of them have not been close. Um, And then you look at, when we look back at this schedule, we're like FIU, UTEP, Southern Miss Rice. Those are their four wins. Um, UTEP and Rice coming by the skin of their teeth. Um, And then UTSA, fumbles the ball twice in the first quarter it's raining and they end up winning the game, which I think they deserve to win. But again, like you said, it was a weird, weird game. And I think we saw UTSA play Western Kentucky the next week. That was the UTSA team that has, that's the actual UTSA team. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have too much else to say. I I think Latrell's job is safe. I think he's fine. I think Phil Bennett's going to be back next year. If I had to guess, um, but and they're gonna keep spinning. They're gonna keep buying those scratch offs of quarterbacks, just hoping one <laughs> of them hits for those hundred dollars. You know, you, they're buying those four dollar, those two dollar ones, and they're just hoping, praying. Yeah, you're bringing head in here. Um, I'm assuming most. I mean, obviously, Ani won't be back. But at this point, man, you just you gotta just clean house at the quarterback position. I think almost besides Bryce Drummond, like. There's no reason for Martin. We talked about this last, whenever we talked about this a couple of podcasts ago, but Martin Gilmore, Ani, whoever, uh, Reuter will probably be back, I guess. But like besides Reuter and, and Drummond, uh, the rest, I just got to go. So Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think there's no chance. I, I mean, maybe there's a chance, but I don't think Amani Gilmore is coming back. There's no reason to have him back whatsoever. And I'm not even sure that Reuter comes back. I, I don't think dang so. sure don't think Ani's coming back. I think he's probably done at this point. And it was funny because I was sitting next to a guy in the press box and we were talking about this, but wouldn't most fan bases be sort of miffed that a guy with two years of eligibility left isn't, you know, could potentially be, it seems to be like he's on the way out. Like most fan bases would be like, what the heck? Yeah. But because of what Austin Ani is, like, I don't think anybody would really bat an eye at it. And in fact, it might be better for this team. No, I agree. Um, I was going to look up completion percentage and see where he ranked in it. Cause he's, I mean, I just, that's what I was on, on the way to do, but yeah. no, he's, yeah. at, I mean, he's at 51.19% for the season, which is just, I mean, awful. He ended up 47% for the game, 15 right. of 32. I got it. I got it in front of me now going into today. He was 122nd out of 124 quarterbacks in completion percentage. Oh, man. The ones below him, Brady Olsen from UMass. UMass, if, for those who don't know, is probably the worst team in the country every single year. And yeah. the other, this will get a laugh, Nick Starkle. Oh, San man. Jose State, <laughs> 51.6. So Austin Ani has actually surpassed him on the leaderboard uh, with this game. 
Austin Ani is now ranked 123 in the country because I don't think Nick Starkle is playing another game. I think San Jose State is awful. But so Austin Ani, now the 123rd out of 124th quarter, four quarterbacks in completion percentage. And there you go. There you have it. So, yeah. I mean, if that doesn't sum up the year North Texas had, I don't know what does. And I don't know if you have the solution either in the, uh, in the transfer portal, man, because I mean, obviously you bring in head from law tech who's had some stuff, but he hasn't really played a whole lot. And then you bring in, you know, stone Earl from ACU. He's not really a proven commodity either. I mean, like you said, you're sort of just taking the scratch off tickets and hoping one of them finally, you know, brings something to you. But I mean, I I was trying to convince myself to be optimistic before, you know, today and coming into this game, but like tonight's not the night for optimism for me, man. Like I just can't at this point. No, no, it's not. It's not at all. Um, it, it's, um, it is just another moment that I think is going to just define the self era. I mean, how, despite it might be, it might be unfair. Sure. But at the end of the day, we expected this team to be five and seven or six and six going into the year. So you winning six, five straight games to reach a bowl game. If we looked, if we looked at the schedule, like before the season, if you handed me this schedule and said, this is how the season's going to go, I'd probably be like, it's a little underwhelming because you don't, you don't get a marquee win. Obviously UTSA ends up probably being that, but you don't get uh, any of the win against the big boys that we mentioned in that six game streak. And then you go and lose to Miami, Ohio in a bowl game. Like just off that, I'm like shrugging my shoulders. And then if you showed me the stats, I'd just be like, yo, what in the world? I would never <laughs> want to watch this team with Austin on completing 50% of his passes. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just, I, I, we'll, we'll have an off season podcast at some point. I'm obviously to get into, like you said, the quarterbacks and all that good stuff. And I'm sure transfer portal players will start portaling and, um, North Texas will start portaling as well. So it will have all those transactions to talk about, but, um, just a massively disappointing night uh, for or afternoon evening for North Texas fans. And it looked like there was a decent amount of them in attendance. And yeah, there were, just, which I mean, maybe it's better, maybe it's worse. I don't know. Cause they had to see that performance. Yeah. So disappointing. Um, I don't have anything else to talk about. I don't think, I think, yeah, I'm, I think the, the one last thing I wanted to mention is this, this loss drops Latrell back under 500 for his time at UNT. I think it makes him like 37 and 38 now or something like that. You know, he had rallied late in the season to get right back to 500. And now, you know, you look back over the tenure, of course, he's got a couple of those eight, nine win seasons, whatever. But in the grand scheme of things, now he's an under 500 coach at North Texas. And I know he's close to like the program record for wins or whatever, but they expect more out of this team at this point with how much money has been put into it and all the resources that have been invested into this team. Like it's just not good enough, even though this is sort of what North Texas is like, they expect to be more. I, I mean, you like, like we've talked about a thousand times, they're putting a lot of money into this program. Um, they're going into the American in two seasons. Next year is probably a, I, I don't even know how to describe it because I would call it a make or break year. But this year, again, if you handed me this schedule, the way it is ends, I'd probably say Latrell's on the hot seat, if not probably losing a job. Um, but because of the UTSA win, probably single-handedly, 
Yeah. He's probably in a good spot. He's he's going to keep his job. He's he's going to be back for a seventh season at yeah. North Texas, which is staggering to say considering how old it makes me feel, but also just um because of what we've gone through the past 3 years. Um he's going to be back and he's going to um his contract I think I don't remember the contract. I think it ends in 2023, so the buyout will be significantly less after next year. But next year, I don't see a way in which he goes six and six again. And where we're looking at it like, oh, good job. That'll be good. Yep, let's go play in the Sun Belt with App State and Coastal Carolina and everybody else there that continues to beat up on North Texas every time they play. So, um, But we'll have a whole offseason to talk about that. No, 100%. I think that pretty much wraps it up. I went and fact-checked the record just to make sure. And, yeah, Latrell is now 37-38 and 38 in his time at North Texas. As we said, 0-5 in bowl games. It's just not good enough. I think we can pretty much finish the deal off with that. Also, there you also, go ahead. also 0-1 in championship games or conference yeah. championship where he got just blasted by FIU and Lane Kiffin that year. So <laughs> if some people want to add that on to a postseason record. You definitely can. Uh, 0-6 in postseason play, and that, that blowout loss is something that will stick with people because that was embarrassing as well. Well, yeah, and then, I mean, if you add that on, that's five of those six games are by double digits. Like, only one of those is within a single score. It's You know, we've said it a million times already on this podcast, but it's just not good enough. Yep. So we'll see if anything changes going forward, but thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this depressing version of the podcast. Follow us on SoundCloud. Leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. All that good stuff. Follow us on Twitter at MeanGreen247 for all the latest content. We'll have plenty of men's basketball stuff heading y'all's way soon as the season turns into conference play here pretty quick. Follow Matthew on Twitter at MatthewBruni underscore. Follow me at JohnFieldZero, and we'll catch you guys in the next one. Happy holidays.